Hello and welcome to the first of the Court Games LCG podcast on behalf of the Discord community for Legend of the Five Rings. Got two hosts here today, Finbar. I'm Trevor Cuba. Yeah, nice to meet all of you. Um, so we thought we'd start off with just sort of a quick introduction to ourselves. My name's Finbar. Uh, I'm part of the London uh, Meta in L5R, uh, quite an active Meta in London. Um, I go to quite a few Kotais. Um, I do I would say a bit above average, you know, 4-2. Sometimes I almost make the cut. Um, but, you know, I love this game and I have a lot of fun playing it. I am Trevor Cuba, also known as Kikita Onimaru. I run the Crane Clan website and Facebook groups. Uh, I've been in this game for a pretty long time, at least since 2009. I also go to as many Kotais as I can get to, usually going uh, 5-2 or 4-2. Although recently I just got back from Toronto where I did a dismal 2-4. So I'm feeling great about that. <laughs> It happens to everyone. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh yeah, my buddy uh, Luke, who uh, last I think I think at Gen Con was at the or one of the events was the top crane there and stuff. He was right there with me. Uh, Phoenix is rough, but we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, we will, and never be afraid to call out one of your friends for uh, performing right alongside you at a tournament. That's good. Yeah, I mean, this is sort of the first of maybe the Discord community initiatives. I mean, we've got quite a few uh, people who know me as Steel Fur on Discord. I do a bit of streaming here and there. They're not as much as uh, Pymans. Um, but this is sort of a Patreon-sponsored um, podcast. I'm supposed to be focused more on community issues, uh, talking a bit about the state of the game and what conversations as well people are having and other things that are going on. Um, so we're hoping that, you know, through questions and interactions with the audience, and you know, if people bring discussions to our um, sort of notice we could engage with them and flag them to people who may not be aware of them and this is a great time to launch this podcast too it's the start of the new year well about a, uh, two months into it but Children of the empire just released we have two clan packs on the horizon so fantastic the start of the third cycle and just announced today as of recording um the announce of uh the world's pack where uh eric balhus who won worlds in 2018 uh, his deck is going to be available for release now, but we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah, uh, I'm very, very excited. Of course, the UK has had a bit of a delay with Children of the Empire, but we get it on Thursday. Um, and I've been playing it a bit online already, and I'm super excited to get my hands on it. Yeah, we don't have a uh, delay as the UK has gotten, but uh, in America, I know that they originally announced that a lot of the stuff, Children of the Empire, was supposed to be released mid-January. Uh, that did not happen for a number of reasons, all undisclosed at the moment. and so caused the recent lame duck meta to be shifted far to the right, uh, much to the chagrin of everyone, at least me. <laughs> I'll never stop complaining about it. Well, the thing is that, that struck me about it is the second that we knew it wasn't coming out until March, it changed from being this lame duck meta to actually being a meta with like three or four Kotai's in you had to practice in. The main thing that really sort of bothered people, I suppose, was thinking that it would be out before Cork and then not practicing because they were waiting for it. But the second it was made clear we weren't going to get it, then you could ramp up and actually get some good practice in. Yeah, even for my Toronto Kota I just went to, there wasn't much motivation to practice because it really wasn't anything anyone wasn't already familiar with. And many of the clans, even the ones that weren't so apparent, got more injured by the recent restricted list. Well, re recent came out in what, November, December of last year? Yeah, we've had that for a while now. Really brought the level of a lot of the clans down. Scorpion obviously took the biggest hit, losing a fate worse than death, and, you know, young Rumormonger, because he's a terror. But then you see things like Dragon losing Niten Master really disrupted a lot of their early game. Yeah. <laughs> 
let's not let's not talk about Nitek Master. I'm still sad. Well, I'm right there with you because although Guest of Honor got put in the list, and of course I'm not going to not choose Guest of Honor anytime soon, it really restricted the Kraken's ability to splash other objects like either Miramoto's Fury or a Fate Worse Than Death. So we took a significant power hit as well. Yeah, but that that was it doing its job because they didn't want you to be the only clan that could run guest of honor and i mean the same with tadaka as well they want clearly want to restrict that embargo effect would it be so bad if i had guest of honor and feast or famine and the fate worse than death i mean was that really so bad yes 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 it, yes it would be okay well fair speaking enough. as someone who's not playing crane um <laughs> with everyone else who's not playing crane i mean phoenix are very happy that you can't do that especially i mean you know, they're the real winners out of this restricted list, as we're all seeing. Yeah, that's what we're seeing a lot of tournaments, both in the real world and on Discord, is that um, with Scorpion and other players not splashing a Fate Worse Than Death a lot, Phoenix has gone on a rampage. Their deck hasn't changed really whatsoever. You're seeing a higher prevalence of Consumed by Five Fires, which I'm not really sure why they weren't running that before. But yeah, without the uh, Scorpion to bring Firebirds down, they've been setting the world on fire. Yeah, everyone was curious whether that five fate investment on that card would pay off and it really did and speaking of tournaments so the discord league is um sort of well underway this month we're on to season 12 and i think we're in the top eight as of this recording and as you say phoenix are now where they wouldn't have been sort of as much in the top eight before two of them are in the top eight now uh, but i think if we look at the pods into next month uh, you're going to see plenty of phoenix players cleaning up and plenty of people switching to phoenix as well uh, just to play now, one of the interesting things about the Discord League, and I think you might be aware of this as well, Lonimaru, is that Kikio is banned from the pod section mm-hmm. of the Discord League. And that was because, initially, um, Phoenix were in a bad place and Scorpion players and everyone else was just switching to Scorpion Splash to put three of them in their deck anytime they had a Phoenix opponent, further beating them into the ground. But the question is, of course, um, with Phoenix now being dominant, is that ban going to be listed in some way or form? It is literally something I've been thinking very heavily, especially after my uh, weekend in Toronto. And just uh, not to be too salty about it, my three of my four losses were against the Phoenix. And I was up against some matches where the opponents were just throwing plays and making massive mistakes. But you had the sheer economy that Phoenix can generate. Just it didn't matter how many mistakes you made. I'm just going to throw a bunch of fish people and straighten and draw a bunch of cards until there's nothing to do. There's a lot of rumors that uh, the people who did well saw Kikyo in there. I've been considering throwing Kikyo in there myself. But would I be able to do that in Discord League? Unsure at this moment. But it does raise a problem if you are in the Discord League pods like right now we're wrapping up season 13 about to kick off season 14 shortly if you have a random phoenix opponent or even a unicorn opponent which we'll get into shortly a kikyo would help if it's in your deck or if you just want to like i'm going to switch to scorpion just for this one matchup and just power card through it yeah i mean this that card was designed as a silver bullet to spell effects so really you have to ask the question if now that more than one clan is running spells and the clan that focuses on spells is super powerful maybe it is time for Kikio to become unbanned so that people can play them. Though, again, I think it would be a, a shame if we switched back to a situation where everyone was splashing Scorpion every time they played against Unicorn or Phoenix. Um, I think the, the Scorpion players aren't in the dominant position they were before. Maybe they need those tools. So I don't know what they're going to do about that. I'll tell you what, Finbar, you would know better than me. 
there was one of the seasons, I can't remember which one, I want to say seven or eight or somewhere around there, where to sign up for the pods, you had to register a deck list, or at the very least, announce what clan you plan on splashing. And as I understand it, they got rid of that system because a lot of people like to use the Discord League pods as a way to test things out, so you want to switch things in and out? Yeah, exactly. It, it was the f- the freedom to switch splashes, I think, is quite important, um, especially if you're in a situation where the meta's changing during or people want to try out new ideas. Um, I think removing that experimentation element from the Discord League would be a mistake, That which would happen if you locked in splashes, but... Yeah, I have two games to finish up uh, Season 12 that I have to get done by midnight tonight. And now that Children of the Empire is legal, I'm just doing dueling jank. I don't even care if I win or lose. I just want (laughs) to see what I can get away with with my dirty, dirty duels in a competitive environment. All right, right. So let's let's focus on Children of the Empire before. So Crane, you play Crane, I play Dragon. Obviously, dueling is what we're excited for. How many games have you played? How many times have you triggered Toshimoko to just completely shut down a conflict? That is kind of a, a, a tricky situation. I'll get into it a little bit. I've gotten about two dozen games in since uh, Children of the Empire went live on Jigoku. Okay, so a good, a good sample, yeah. Yeah, uh, and I've been trying a lot of off-the-wall stuff. I've mixed and matched every single clan to splash with, and I find the dueling options lead towards, like, subtly different decks. I mean, it sounds obvious, but we've been kind of pigeonholed into, like, just kind of one game plan and who helps with this game plan. Now it's starting to be able to branch off, and Toshimoko's role at all the duelists kind of depends on what splash you have. For instance, if I splash Crab and I want to try The Mountain Does Not Fall, Toshimoko turns into a freaking monstrous defender where I just have him sit back and no one gets past him at all unless you're trying to sneak around him. Well, he wins one conflict and the other conflict he just shuts down, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, the when the mountain does not fall, he does not bow any defense. So as long as I don't use him as the attacker, he's going to be there for every potential attack my opponent's going to do. Yeah, but his ability will only trigger once. So you could only use that particular side of his effect to shut down one conflict. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, then we get into the fact where just being presence is enough. So he's a Bushi, and he has four base military. A lot, many of our duelists are starting to get three and four, so it's very high for Crane. And what we're finding is, so yeah, I can throw a bunch of swords on him, and I can have him bully out in a military duel, unless something is really big, like maybe Yokuni with a bunch of swords or a Kasada. But... Even if he has no attachments, he can get away with a lot of jank in a political battle because, oh, you've got 12 political? I've only got three, but I'm going to duel you by military at the end of this fight. So I can either hold it for one of those actions or with the inclusion of duelist training and Kikita Dojo, suddenly have a significant advantage in a political battle where I have these low military courtiers trying to break my province, but they can't break Toshimoko. Even if I don't use his native ability, one of the other duels that I now have access that that Toshimoko activates by being a duelist is a lot more effective. Yeah, so what you're starting to get is a lot of what Dragon players have had for a while with Hurricane Punch, Void Fist interaction, is that a one fate monk, right, can bow anyone with a void fist if they're a political strength powerhouse, right? If you if you have a one force monk and you hurricane punch it, um, and then you do a void fist, you can void fish Yoshi as long as he's not honored. And the same thing sort of applies to these jewels, which is why you see those odd plays of people like bonsaiing in a political conflict and those sort of things to give themselves more strength before they get duelist training. But actually, it provides you a lot of really flexible defense. Um, 
which lets you hold off the fort against clans even if you're not playing to their strength you know if you don't have a high political strength or you can't match unicorn on military for example well uh unicorn tends to spread the board wide which actually makes it very easy for them in many cases to duel surprisingly unless they hit you with the uh unleash the gin and just know about all the uh force bumps but i was gonna say we also seeing some use in some old Previously, largely discarded cards like Formal Invitation, which is a crane attachment, is for free, only gives plus one political, and you can only put it on someone with two glory. And what it does is it moves somebody into a political battle. So I can attack with any of my duelists with all their swords, and then later when the opponent comes and attacks me politically, I could just slide his bowed body into the conflict and get off one of my duels and stop the conflict. So real flexible maneuvers happening here. And you can also play it on your opponent's two glory characters to harpoon them where they don't want to be, which has been happening to me um, and my lovely Takashi Yakunis uh, for the past <laughs> week or so. <laughs> like, it's a great move. You know, I don't want him to be in that conflict. You pull him in. And then I'm like, all right, okay, cool. <laughs> How is dueling in Children of the Empire been working out for you and Dragon? So Dragon is, I mean, the whole Dragon chat is really in love with dueling at the moment. Um, there's this Dragon Dishonor deck, which uses uh, Ijiatsu Master and, um, and Miramoto Daisho to just steal one to two honor from every duel. So two for the first one and then one from every duel that turn. Um, and like, it really is kind of like, if you're doing four or five duels a turn, like you've got Hitomi's printed duel, she's got duelist training, she's got a policy debate, you've got a Miramoto Dojo out, um, maybe you do a Defender Honor. Um, that's five duels, that's six honor in one conflict, and all of those duels have had an effect on the outcome of the conflict. So, I mean, you can bomb someone's honor and i've done it from like eight to zero just because they dared to attack me with someone i could duel and that's really powerful of course it's massive weaknesses that miramoto daisho costs two fate ichiatsu master can only attach to a duelist and we only have nine and that costs one fate so it's really weak to attachment control but when it goes off i mean you're playing against someone like unicorn who doesn't play you know attachment control if they're running phoenix splash main deck or you're playing anyone who doesn't see their let goes or they waste them early game you can really just sort of shut someone down with the dueling the main problem main question that always applies to these decks is it competitive is it consistent? I don't think it's there yet, but... Yeah, I've looked at the Miramoto's Daisho Dishonor Bomb, because Crane Heck is a very similar deck. It does the exact thing that you said. It is hinging on Miramoto's Daisho, and that is a two-cost attachment. Already, people will like get hot under the collar because that's a very hefty investment. And it's one let go away from going away. And then you only have three of them. If that is your a major aspect of your, your game plan, it could go away pretty easily. And there's, the whole thing is fairly unstable. I've been leaning more towards, if I'm going to be serious, having a reasonable lot of duels. So fortunately, the Crane Dynasty wasn't that interesting. Yeah, a lot of people are going to go at me and say, hey, guest of honor. Kikita Yoshi, Cautious Scout. All all very good and very interesting cards. Well, you see, you say this, but recently, I mean, I've been seeing um, Paragon of Grace. Oh, yeah. I've been seeing Doji, the one who bows to solid people. Mm-hmm. And there's another one that discards cards from your hand that I'm yeah. forgetting. Well, the Doji Fumiki is a conflict character. She came in the Scorpion pack. Fumiki is the one who will bow a dishonored person. So there's one that, to play an event, they have to discard a card from their hand. Ah, that is Doji Shigeru. So I had one of those in play against me, two Paragon of Grace in play against me, a Kikita Yoshi as well, and then any time they attacked, if I wanted to play an event, I had to discard a card. 
and they could discard two cards at random from my hand because they mm. towered them and they were attacking with them by themselves. Oh, yeah. Crane is starting to get a lot of quite scary effects on the board as well. It's not just the Guest of Honor shutout um, effect. Yeah, the, um, the the tools are there. We're still trying to figure out every, exactly how they all fit together, trying to make some really risky decisions. You really don't want Shigeru and Guest of Honor in the same deck. And the question is, like, which one do you rather run? Because Shigeru plus Paragon of Grace plus Policy Debate, your hand starts eating away really fast. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, once you can eat, and I see what you mean with the anti-synergy with Guest of Honor, but I think definitely that made me feel quite sort of crushed and sort of constrained because I was losing at least two cards a turn. Outside of our home slices with Crane and Dragon, what have you been seeing with some of the uh, other clans? As I said, uh, Phoenix has been very dominant right now, but they've seen almost zero changes to their decks. Well, some of them are running Eugena, who is a powerhouse against Crab. So he's the one who is a force reaction when you claim the Void Ring could discard a character with no fate from play. And obviously, Crab players are reading this and being like, what am I going to do? None of my Iron Minds work. They're already taking a fade off with the Void Ring, so they have to have more than one fate on. Reprieves aren't working. Rebuilds aren't working. It, it knocks the entire Crab strategy to pieces. And it's just another strong Phoenix character that they can ready and use in multiple conflicts if they want to. Speaking of Crab, uh, one of the my good buddies in my playgroup is Max Williams, four or five-time Crab Hatamoto, just took second place in Toronto just this weekend. Even talking for a very long time about how he's been liking uh, Crab up until now, but they've gotten almost nothing to add into what is their tr- quote-unquote traditional deck since, like, cycle one, maybe? And they're just not getting anything really to add. So while it's still powerful, I think it's one of the top decks in the Discord League right now is a Crab Dishonored deck, but it's just getting stagnant. Well, this is the thing. I mean, they they really don't feel like they've got a second theme developed. And I know the Crab Pack is coming out at some point this year, but really it's just the same theme. And it will come. I mean, obviously Dragon and Crane were in the same boat until only two weeks ago. Uh, when we got this whole loads of dueling stuff to talk about, because Dragon Monks was never really sort of super strong. So, I mean, Crab will get there eventually, and, and probably later on this year when they see their 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 clan pack. But yeah, you're right, they didn't really get a great deal of new options. I mean, they got Hida Yakumo, which some people are playing, but it also isn't making his way into another uh, many lists because, you know, Dishonor Threaten is one of the things Crab do, and if you're threatening Dishonor, then you're not playing Hida Yakumo because he requires you to be less honorable. So um, I think he's a bit of a tricky card for a deck that's not there yet. Yeah, um, doesn't seem like a lot of pieces fit because one of the best ways to beat Crab is to actually dishonor them before they can dishonor you. So if Hida Yakumo is out and his ability is out, that kind of means things are going poorly for the Crab. Yeah, exactly. So it's really, I mean, they're, they're not going poorly. Their deck is still strong. But a lot of what I'm hearing from a lot of Crab players is all these people are getting really cool tools. What am I getting? I get a 5-1 for 3 fate. It's a reasonably strong body. It's more military strength I didn't really need. And where's the ability on my character? And I want them to be positive. There has to be some stuff coming down the line for them. But, you know, right now, I think there's a legitimate reason if you're in crab and you, you know, you're you feeling a bit tired of crabbing because you've just been crabbing for so long and you're not really seeing any new ways to crab of just thinking, well, OK, where's my toys? Where, you know, when are they coming? I mean, because if you look at something like Unicorn, who were on the back foot for ages and then suddenly in the past, like two cycle and 
children of the empire they've just suddenly exploded with all these really cool military abilities i mean even their new conflict character who i've been surprised by once or twice in jigoku he's just brilliant i mean this is the one where you play him into the conflict his reaction says the abilities of the province can't be triggered this turn and if you think about all of the provinces that we've been relying on for ages like upholding authority that just need a break or something to trigger you know this is a card that could potentially make all of those irrelevant in that matchup and might even push you to running provinces that are worth defending rather than ones that you want to see break absolutely speaking on crab side another reason why they're disappointed is the recent update to the rules which changed the errata that says that let go targeting a watch commander will get rid of the watch commander before the watch commander has a chance to react and steal an honor yeah i mean that in itself is a bad change for crab but I mean, we'll talk about this briefly, So, it's, but it's a good change for the game because, you know, you have this whole thing where there was this confusing difference between the initiation of an action and the resolution of an action and some abilities targeted initiation and cancelled there and some abilities targeted and like resolution and cancelled there. And I think the blanket change to say that an action is resolved once it's completely finished um, makes a lot of sense you know so the reason that watch commander and let go happens a different way now is that let go comes into play discards the watch commander and then the watch commander's gone before it has a chance to use its reaction it's no longer on the board right and then you've got this new scorpion poison kirikeo which i'll pronounce horribly wrong but you know <laughs> that used to work on the initiation of an action which meant that if you tried to ready your prodigy of the waves um, Karikio would bow it while it was still bowed and then prodigy of the waves would still ready which is kind of counterintuitive because you know it says bow the person after they do the action so you would expect prodigy to ready and then be bowed by the fact that it's used its action so i think this will lead to a lot more intuitive rulings it definitely cleans up the rules. And even Tyler Parrott mentioned in the follow-up article that it does more to further differentiate what is a reaction and what is an interrupt. Because many of the activations were basically happening at the same time. The only time I really recall seeing much nuance in where we had to separate steps were with a lot of the lion cards in which when the lion provinces break versus when rings would trigger, that was a big um challenge for when an interrupt would go off but uh, a lot of the effects that would be interrupts versus reactions just kind of happened at the same time yeah and i think that does need to be clear because an interrupt implies that it's stopping or replacing something whereas a reaction is just you've done that so i'm going to do this to you uh, and i think splitting those out is going to help the game be a bit clearer because there's already a lot going on in this game and if you could read reaction and think okay so once he's done that this will happen and read interrupt and think no, 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 this is happening instead. I think that will make the game a lot easier to keep track of in those small moments. I did uh, interview Tyler Para at Gen Con last year, and during that time, he did mention to me that one of his goals, as he's now stepped up to become one of the uh, lead designer for L5R, is making rules more common sense. So if you look at a card, you should be able to understand exactly how it interacts rather than look at the card, thinking it works one way, go back to the rules, find out it actually works completely differently. But this is a step in the right direction of like fixing past sins. I can't do a errata or a most recent printing of a lot of these cards, but at least we can like make some of the rulings go back in the proper direction. Uh, I feel bad for the lovely Jigoku team who just finished the laborious project of getting Children of the Empire live ready within days of it being street legal. It was up and down a little bit, but mostly it was functional. 
And then on that weekend, I was like, hey, here's a rule update that adds a whole nother step that actually changes how a lot of the events and actions in the game work. Because many times they have those massive changes, they've got to go through almost every card, if not a large, just a large chunk of them, and manually redo how they all work. If I recall, your boy Togashi Yukuni, because of the way he copies things, he has to be manually edited for like every card in the game that he could possibly react off of every time there's an update. <laughs> I did not know that, um, but it would not surprise me. He is quite a counterintuitive card. He's an example of things like working oddly right because of course there's the whole thing that if you cloud the mind someone he can still copy their their text um even though their ability box is blank because he has the word printed in when really if you're thinking about it actually he probably shouldn't be able to um and that's the sort of thing that should be clear but because he says printed he ignores the meta effect of cloud the mind and and a lot of that could do with being tightened up but you know we've gotten used to a lot of it it really is as you say it's just Poor, poor Jigoku team who have to make these changes um, and people who have to manual it until they have the chance yeah. to. Yeah, so I mean, what else has been going on recently? We've had a lot of elemental championships um, mm -hmm. all over the place. I mean, I've been to three now, I think, uh, in Cardiff oh, wow. and in london and stuff there's a lot on in the uk um, a lot with this sort of like one or two hours train ride so you could go to quite a few if you want to how did you do out there uh i came second in one um and i just came ninth in the other one so i missed the top cut sadly how many uh players were there about 23 at one uh and 24 at another I think that the main thing is that the Elemental Championships are their attempt to make regional tournaments appealing to local players that shops want to run and feel a bit more sort of like a big deal than just your store, tournament, stronghold, conflict kit, whatever. Um, and the main question, I suppose, is do you think that that's been a success? Absolutely. In the last year, it's mostly been me and Max Williams. Uh, we'll just load up into a car and go to a lot of them. He has a lot more free time than I do, so he's able to make it to a lot more. And so one or two of our buddies will sometimes join us when time permits. But usually it's only like a handful of us at a time. Only three of us went to Toronto yesterday or this last weekend. The amount of championships, a lot more have been going almost my entire playgroup went to the one in Cleveland, Ohio, which is only a couple hours away. And some of my newer players who are brand new to the game have not had a large tournament experience other than the ones that we just run at the store. They really got a chance to mix it up, meet some of these people who are kind of like well-known entities online. And they did rather well. I think everyone on my team except for two people got uh, top of uh, clan prizes. And uh, so we took like a quarter of all of their vote cards and stuff. I myself oh, that's got, fantastic. got fourth. One of my buddies, uh, Evan, uh, he got eight top crab. Actually did better than Max. And they would not be able to do that normally. Oh, fantastic. So what do you think the appeal then of these tournaments is? I mean, for some players, maybe it's the world invite. Do you think the prizes are a step above what we get from a regular sort of tournament thing? Or what do you think the appeal is? Maybe it's just the formality of them? I think it's just... just the. I don't know, just because you call it a regional, maybe it's just because it's published online, it's easier to find, but it's just like, I know this is going to be a large tournament, and just like the desire, like, I want to compete in a large environment, you know? And large is relative. The Cleveland was about 36 to 40 people or something like that. Uh, some of them have been bigger or smaller. But yeah, I think just the ability to go out and play alone 
is a real draw for it and stuff. Now, yeah, there is uh, the issue of prizes and what you want to get out of there. It's only recently that uh, Alex Watkins, the new head of organized play for Fantasy Flight, although no stranger to it, as I understand, he's been running things over there in uh, Europe for a while. Yeah, he is. And we've he's earned a lot of sort of uh, reputation with us for dealing with our problems and uh, try to communicate well and that sort of thing. So we're quite happy to see him take charge of the whole ship. Yeah, and he uh, recently took the helm and announced that uh, Worlds, at least the Worlds Cards Tournament part of it, the actual championship, is going to be invite only. So that actually puts more incentive on going to these elemental championships. That's been met with a bit of a mixed bag reaction as a lot of people would journey to Worlds as kind of a way to just participate, just interact. Well, I guess it's a long tradition since the game's only about a year and a half old. Um but you have some carriers from a Game of Thrones or X-Wing or some of these other games who are just kind of used to the FFG style of like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go to uh, Minnesota and hang out in the freezing cold in the middle of winter. Yeah, because that's something that a lot of people seem to want to do. Um, I mean, the idea that this is your annual social gathering seems to be fine for me. Um, I know certainly that these large tournaments in, in old L5R were always quite, quite big sort of social gatherings. Um, so, I mean, I can understand why people want to preserve that from the FFG side. I can understand why you want to try and make it more prestigious and make it sort of a bit more formulated and people have to earn their invitation. But we have already heard that there will be a tournament on the day where you can earn a place if you get in. So if you attend, there's a good chance you might be able to qualify anyway. And we have sort of heard, uh, though we haven't got specifics, that there will be other events going on that week anyway. So, I mean, if you are mad about L5R and you want to meet people and socialize, you probably can still go along and maybe earn your world spot or if not play some other stuff for some stuff off the prize wall and things like that if i was to play uh devil's advocate i would say that i went to worlds this last year i didn't go the one prior and it was a bit interesting on one hand it was fun because there's a lot of people that you see and recognize on the flip side uh there was a lot of weirdness like we everyone the day before the actual tournament started like hey let's take a part in the uh hadamoto challenge uh, what's the formal name of the hadamoto challenge where you had to go six rounds it was just the hadamoto challenge oh well there you go yeah well the hadamoto challenge was like almost 40 percent filled with hadamotos kind of defeats the purpose everybody was there wanting to uh get some practice in kind of scout out the environment see what's going on well they, they scouted out the environment because that's how many hadamotos were playing at worlds as well so i think it was a fairly accurate um pre pre-test i suppose Sure, it works, but it also speaks to like what's the intent of the event. I mean, I imagine I imagine a Hatamoto challenge is the idea is like here's your chance to get Hatamoto, and while you do have to fight through a lot of like skilled opponents, I don't know if you really should be having being Hatamoto in there re-upping Hatamoto in there. Yeah, that's fair. And there's this whole big discussion about how and to what extent prizes should filter down in these larger tournaments uh, that I think we might have to address on a, on a later podcast. Um, you know, whether or not, you know, once someone has Hatamoto, maybe the next person down the line should get Hatamoto instead. But I, that's a big topic and that touches on a whole load of prize support things. So maybe we should talk about that at another stage. Um, I think Worlds this year, we're very much going to sort of have to wait and see whether it's a success and sort of everyone feels like they get what they wanted out of it, the social people and the competitive people, and whether, you know, FFG's goal of making it a more intense invitation only, you know, sort of like top players only event pays off and leads to some really good games and a really interesting meta. 
or, or sorry, or whether, contra- as some people have said, a lot of what we would consider the better players may not actually, by luck or by chance, earn an invitation. And then certainly from Europe, if you don't have an invitation, are you going to go? And then we might see some very noted names absent from the list because they haven't earned an invitation somehow. That is that is one of the bigger ones. Like obviously, you have the the Europe players and just general people around the world because we have players in Australia, uh, the Hidden City Road guys. Yeah, I can't 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 forget them. Yeah, <laughs> European centric. I'm, I'm going to try and be a bit more uh, open for that. <laughs> well, and, and, and as you'll hear Americans start complaining very frequently. America is kind of a large place, especially in comparison to Europe. I think like half of my country is like most of the eu if you don't consider russia in there so i was like you, you get a wake up and get on the wrong side of the bed you're in germany right i've got to drive five hours to get anywhere right uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to give you that one but you know because it will take me quite a few hours to get to germany and we have a lot of like oceans and stuff in the middle yeah but i mean like you can roll from germany to france fairly easily if you live in the right part of the country but if you live in the wrong part of the country you are looking at a good five hour yeah. drive um <laughs> Yeah. I'm in Michigan, so I was just able to do a four-hour drive to Toronto and had to go get a special license. So it was really totally easy for me to make that trip. But I'm not going to California. I'm not even going. If it's more than like three states away, I'm really scratching my beard on that one. Yeah, I suppose I would get a cheap flight from here to Poland. In fact, I probably will for Euros. Um Because it's just, I mean, flights are quite cheap in, in the EU, which is probably the main difference. But that will be a three or four-hour flight, I think. And the overall issue is, is like if people with doing all these extra travel times and having to schedule plane tickets and do all these things, is that worth it if you don't necessarily have a shot at the big show? If your goal is to participate in the big challenge, you know, there is something there to for the community. And as they said, they have these events that are going to be challenges to get into the main tournament. I'm hoping there's some role play, like promote the or the role RPG set of things, maybe some more hangout kind of things. I will say, you know, this is where I'm going to take my gloves off. I went to Worlds this last year and uh, it was fun seeing everybody. We got to be on the big stage, but we're, we're also like Elfavar's game one of 25 in the FFG catalog, right? They like us, they support us, and, do, and there's a really passionate group within there that does good things and stuff. But as FFG is an overall company, you know, we're just one game, you know. Uh, win- uh, are we going to turn Winter Court into an L5R only event, similar to kind of like Star Wars takes over the store in. Did they do that in the midsummer, early summer? I'm, I'm not like sure. I don't think the thing is. I mean, I don't think that Alphavar has enough different game variations. I mean, if Alphavar got a miniatures game that was successful, if we had the RPG going on, maybe we could have our own Alphavar event. But as it is, um, you know, we do have to be somewhat reasonable about the fact that you know we are just going to be one of the events at the World Championships for a while. And I mean, don't listen to the cynical side of your brain that says, is the reason the Alpha Bar World Championships invitation lonely because they have to make room for the Keyforge Vault Tour World Championships in the same hall at the same time. But we're not going to think that because that would be very pessimistic. I'm an L5R player. All I do is think in cynicism. <laughs> the sky is falling until my clan has won five straight Kotais, okay? Until then. So what, one of the disaster. main rules for this podcast for all you listeners is that we, we have to stay positive because there's so much fantastic stuff going on and there are so many, so many salty players who just need to, you know, just need to smile, just need to <laughs> smile a bit more um, and, you know, just try and make something else work for them. So, we, 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 you know, we're channeling positivity. That's our main sort of focus.
And uh, transitioning a little as we kind of wrap this thing up, uh, speaking of the community, we are very interested in hearing from you guys, engaging with you. So we would like to get some listener questions. Places on, if you post on Discord, you know, we should have a, a place set up basically for this. Yeah, we should. Clearly, we thought about this uh, ahead of time, but information will be brought forth so you can send us. You know, we're on the Internet. You can find us. Drop us a line. Send us your questions. We'll read a couple of them at the end of every episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we are also going to be trialing out a new idea soon uh, where we will be part of all of the uh, various clan channels. And of course, if you see an interesting idea or a discussion that happens that you think, hey, maybe we should know about it, you can just tag us and we'll drop in. Uh, and We won't start stealing your clan ideas, but we may just borrow the discussion and use it to sort of give other clans a window into what your side of the community is thinking and talking about. If you spam us with salt, we will take away that responsibility from you. But, you know, we're hoping that maybe we can bridge a few gaps and sort of spread a few discussions beyond sort of uh, the wonderful clan channels that happen. I will definitely not go into lion chat and start making jokes. If <laughs> that is something if I If he will comes not into do. your chat and starts making jokes, you can let me know <laughs> and I will take his ability to away from him, right? <laughs> Bad puns, not allowed. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, in closing, shout-outs. Uh, for one, give a big shout-out to uh, Sebastian Seabass himself for organizing all of this. Yeah, he really is sort of the brains behind uh, all of the, the Discord, this podcast, and all the Patreon stuff on the Discord as well. Um, so if you don't know what a lot of that is, um, there's a lot of things like RPG resources being created. Uh, there's a website being designed to hold... Um, just sort of community stuff for the discord so we have more of a permanent record because discord can be a bit um you know it can change a lot it can be a bit flexible and you know stuff gets lost in conversation um and there might be a lot of stuff and resources and things we want to track like for example if we want a place to store deck lists and see what's winning this year versus next year and it's just going to get lost on like five rings db or something like that so you know i think there's a lot of useful things that having a discord website will do um and he's doing that and a lot of other good work for the community there's a lot of stuff that uh discord seabass and the the mod team who do a great job of keeping everything up and running and stuff honestly i do not believe that l5r would exist uh in a positive and great state uh that it is right now without discord and the discord league and the good work that these people do i mean local communities do a great job but the the, the l5r community this time around versus when you know i played it years ago it feels so connected you know, people from all over the world are having conversations every day in multiple channels and clan channels and general chat. There's memes being born. There's online games being played. You know, it's a very modern, connected digital community, and that does come down to the Discord um, and all the great people talking on it. So uh, we do have that. I want to give a shout out to our sister podcast, the RPG podcast uh, here on Court. Uh, what's Court Games? It, it is Court Games. Yeah, we do have we do have a name, and we are. <laughs> I should learn this. You should. You should definitely learn the name. So we're very we're very happy with the name Court Games. I think it covers a lot of uh, about Alpha Bar. But yes, so there's two halves to this podcast. There's us talking about RPG issues, and then of course there's our lovely uh, sister podcast talking about. Uh, I got those the way around. We're doing LCG stuff. They're, they're doing <laughs> RPG stuff. Um, <laughs> and uh, we're all very happy to be doing it. There you go. We are so good at this. 
Yeah, I've I've I've, I've talked to uh, uh, Gene Kevlar, uh, our Kekita Kaori over there on the RPG podcast. I told her if I can go over there to the RPG podcast, she can come over here and uh, talk uh, her expert card game strategies and let the people know how she wins tournaments, which is mostly smiling and giving people cookies and other fun prizes. <laughs> if you're nice to people, they may let you win. This is true. Uh, you heard it You heard it here first, people. Um, take snacks for your opponents, two co-ties. You never know when it might pay off. Um, I think that's about everything we have planned to discuss today, so thanks you all for joining us. I've been Finbar, uh, Steelfire on Discord. I'm Trevor Cuba, or Kikita Odimaro, in all places online. Great, and uh, yeah, look forward to the next podcast, and we'll bring some more interesting things for you to discuss. Sayonara!